Hey, thanks for tuning in. This is the Dirt Bike Channel Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Brotherson, and today we're going to be talking about fuel-injected two-strokes, specifically where is all this going, a little bit of where we've been, and also a little bit more of where we're going. And uh, yeah, so that's what we're going to cover today. So let's cue the music. Not that music. Jeez. This is the music. This is the music I was supposed to cue, not that other thing. You know, you would think you think that with a podcast like this, you'd have a whole team of people, you'd have a sound engineer, you'd have all these things. And guess what? It's just me. In fact, it's just me, like a little bit under the weather. I don't know if you can hear it in my voice, but yeah, got a little bit of a head cold today. I don't know if it's COVID. My wife is upstairs. She's got a head cold too. Both of us have been a little bit off today. I hope it is not COVID. I haven't been sick for like two years. I'm start- I've been starting to believe, and I hope, you know, I might, by the time you hear this, I might have already found out that I actually did have COVID, but I've been, I've been getting, I've been feeling almost a little bit left out because everyone I know has had COVID except for me, it, it feels like. And so then my dad just recently was tested positive for it. Stepmom tested positive for it. Got some other people. I mean, everyone around the neighborhood has had it, and we haven't had it yet. So we've tested negative like 3,500 times because, no, we haven't been tested that many times. But the kids, have, we've been exposed to it a lot. Anyway, I digress. Point is, I think it's just a little bit of a head cold, and uh, we're, we're moving forward. So got to get done. In fact, I wanted to take a nap, and I thought, you know what? Kyle, you have to you have to produce. You have to be productive. So the only way you can take a nap is after you've recorded a podcast because it's been so long since you've done it. So here I am sitting in this chair and uh, we're going to go for this. So I spent some time before I ate lunch uh, kind of outlining some of the thoughts that I had um, as far as on like fuel injected two strokes. Where is all this going? And so you probably are wondering like, okay, Kyle, what's the impetus for this? Why, what are we talking about here? Why are you bringing this up? And I just have to say, um, you know, for some reason, it seems like there's been a lot of controversy about KTM and Husky and now gas gas and the TPI two stroke. So TPI is throttle or uh, transfer port injection. It's the fuel injection that uh, KTM came out with clear back in 2008 is when they started, when they started to release it. Um, so we've had a lot of years of TPI. If you have a 2022 KTM or Husky TPI bike, that is 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. That is five model years of that two-stroke uh, injection system. And honestly, I've had so many of these things. They're fantastic. But it's like, it's almost like there's a certain, not almost, like there is, there is a certain group of riders out there that want it to fail. And for the longest time, I've been pretty silent about it, but now I want to speak out and I want to say, if you're the group, if you're part of the group that wants TPI to fail, I would ask you why. Just let that sink in for a minute. I think if you want anything in our industry to fail, whether it's KTM, whether it's Honda, Yamaha, Gas Gas, Sherco, beta, if you're gunning for any of those companies to fail and get egg on their face, I think that's an extremely short-sighted viewpoint for anyone to hold. 
in our industry. I mean, why would we want any dirt bike company in our industry to fail or have egg on their face? How does that help any of us? It doesn't. So let me put something to bed right now. KTM slash Husky slash gas gas TPI bikes don't suck. They are awesome, period, full freaking stop. I've bought and ridden more than a dozen of them. I, I've personally bought like 15, 16 of them. I've ridden 20 to 25 different ones. I've got hundreds and hundreds of hours on those bikes. Between me and my buddies, we've just a couple buddies. We've put over 2,000 hours of engine time on those bikes. Let's talk about the biggest issue that I've had. Okay. A 10 amp fuse blew on me one time. That's it. Funny thing is the replacement fuse was even in the fuse block as a spare less than one centimeter away from where it needed to be ready for use. At the time I was too daft to identify it. And therefore the bike had to be towed out of a really nasty place. I ask you, was that, was that KTM's fault? Was that a TPI problem? No. Because newsflash, we beat the hell out of these bikes, these dirt bikes. And it's amazing that they don't have more issues. Think about it. One blown fuel, one blown fuse in that many hours is pretty dang good if you ask me. If you're asking me, I mean, I've seen a lot worse problems with, with much smaller sample sizes on bikes that I have personally owned. I mean, and the other thing too, that I want to put to bed is the idea of any of these bike manufacturers being like, Oh, that one's bad. I know it's, it's fun to kind of joke around and it's fun to kind of pick favorites or whatever and be like, Oh, you know, reliability on this brand or that brand or whatever. It's kind of fun. It's like tongue in cheek, but I have not personally seen any trend, no matter what the manufacturer color was, that one of them is more reliable than the others or less reliable than the others. I've had problems here and there on everything. doesn't matter what color the bike was, whether it was orange or red or blue or black or white. I've had little issues here and there, but we're talking minor issues, minor things where you're like, Oh, I better not do that again. Or I better be careful with this. Oh, here's something I got to keep an eye on. Here's something you got to watch. You got to have Loctite here, or you got to be, make sure that you don't flip this switch over here. Otherwise you're going to, you know, run the battery dead or we're like, Hey, after you take that sprocket off, you better watch that countershaft seal, you know, because that's typically when it's going to go is after you've taken it off. There's little things with all these bikes, but there are, they're all freaking amazing, actually. So let me talk about three different classes of riders, okay? And coming back to this fuel-injected two-stroke thing, where is all this going? I kind of went on a little bit of a, a tangent there, just making sure that you're aware of how I feel about the TPI bikes. They're freaking awesome. Uh, are they? Is it better than carburetors? No, I'm not saying that. We'll get into that in a minute. But is it worse? No, it's not. It's a little different, but it's not worse. Okay. So first class of riders, I'm going to, I'm going to give you three different classes of riders. Um, number one, the first class we're going to talk about are the purists. Okay. 
The second class of writers we're going to talk about are the realists. And I just made this up here in the last few minutes, an hour ago while I was you know, creating kind of an outline. These are just some thoughts that I put down. So class one are the purists, class two are the realists, and then class three are the saviors of the sport. Don't want to spoil it. Let's go through it. So who are the purists? Well, the purists in the in this context of fuel injected two strokes and where is all this going? The purists want to keep the carburetor on the two stroke and they have some good reasons for it. Okay. Number one reason is they want the bike to be simple. They understand that the two stroke is this kind of magical thing, which gives this, you know, interesting blend of power and they want it to stay simple. They want it to stay lightweight. They want it to stay something that they understand fully because, you know, this purist, this is this, these people have put in a bunch of time and they understand carburetors. They understand how to tune them they understand how all of this works. And they also are like, Hey, I I don't trust computers or whatever. I want to, I just want less failure points. Okay. And, and that's like, that is not, I'm not even going to argue with them on that. Those are good things. You know, carburetors are great. It's an on-demand fuel system. It's like a vacuum. The engine is a vacuum, and that carburetor is an on-demand vacuum fuel delivery system. It's pretty cool. And if you haven't torn apart a carburetor and looked at how they work, I suggest that you do it. It's really cool. It's simple and complex at the same time. It's cool, okay? So the purists want to keep the carburetor, and hey, go for it. I'm, I think that's, that's great. However, let's put a pin in that. The purists also want tunability and they want to be able to tune this thing with conventional tools that they already have. They want to be able to tune it with a screwdriver or with a six millimeter, you know, hex key or, you know, whatever. They want to be able to put different jets in there in the bike and be in total control of how it works and not have to rely on a phone or a diagnostic computer or anything like that. And okay, that's fine. You're, you're the purists. You've already put in a bunch of time. You probably have, you know, your, your system down. You have your jetting kind of dialed. You've got something that works for you. You've been using it for years. You know, maybe you're on beta. Maybe you're on Sherco. Maybe you're on KT and you're just going, Hey, look, this works for me. Maybe it's on my, you know, 2003 Honda CR 250 are that I've been using forever. And I just know how to work this carburetor. So you're a purist. Okay. And that's fine. I don't want to disagree with you. I don't want to argue with you on those things because I I agree that those things that you're putting value on are also are important and I'm not going to argue with you. However, I'll bet you a hundred dollars that these same sentiments were being said about cars when cars started to leave carburetors in the dust. In fact, I know this was said. I know it was said. I heard it as I was growing up and as I was listening to people talk about it. I grew up, I, I, I'm 40 years old now. I lived through that transition in the 80s and the 90s when cars moved away from uh, carburetors. You, don't, you can't buy a car now with a carburetor. You can't. They're all multi-port fuel injected. Why is that? Because it's better. It's more efficient. There's less waste. Now, there's some challenges on on a two-stroke motor. We're talking about cars. You can put more weight on these things and yada, yada, yada. And so that's one of the reasons why carburetors stayed on small engines longer than they did on larger engines. Okay. 
The same argument was put forward with the four with the, with the electronic fuel injected four strokes when they came into being about ten to twelve years ago. So the the dirt bikes and the small engines they start it kind of feels like they started to become electronically fuel injected about ten to fifteen years after the cars did. Okay, and the same argument about oh I don't want this and I I want to be able to tune my four stroke and all this stuff. This same thing was being said about bikes ten to twelve years ago. How soon we forget. Let me ask you a question right now. So let's say you and I walk into a dealership today and you have to choose between two different four-stroke motors, two different four-stroke bikes. Both are identical, except for one thing. One has a carburetor on it and the other has electronic fuel injection. Which would you choose today? You would choose the fuel injected bike. We have chosen that with our money. We have chosen that the industry has moved that way, not because carburetors sucked, but because there are certain advantages to the four strokes. I mean, to the electronic fuel injection, there's less waste. Recently, a lot of the times I go on rides, I've been riding with a lot of guys that are on TBI bikes. Recently, I was on a ride with a group of nine or 10 people and there were two carburetors on bikes in the group. One of them was a Sherco and one of them, Sherco 300 SE, freaking fast bike. It was fast, but we did multiple drag races. My KTM TPI bike with, you know, even a high compression head had nothing for him on the top end, nothing for him. Interestingly enough, my stock 250 XE had a bet, had better snap and, and was better in a race against his Sherco. But anyway, I digress. One of the bikes was a Sherco with the key and carburetor. And the other bike was a beta 200 RR, another bike, you know, near and dear to my heart with also the key. And actually that one, I have the key and I, I digress. Point is, it doesn't matter. They both had carburetors. And here's the interesting thing. I was riding behind them and it was really quite dry conditions. And there was a lot of different like kind of granite rock type areas where you'd, you'd have kind of a smooth spot for a while. And then you'd hit into like a, a granite rock thing where it was a little bit of a sharp edge or whatever. And do you know what I saw every time I would see, I would, and when I was behind these guys with the carburetors, do you know what I saw every time on the granite rocks? Fuel. And it was kind of, it was a little bit startling to me because I'd, I'd kind of forgotten that in a, in a way I'd written behind so many flipping TPI bikes that don't drop fuel out of the overflows that then when I was following these two carburetor bikes, I was like, dang, we haven't been through a stream. This isn't water coming off the bike. The only reason that rock right there is wet and it was easy to see because it's super dusty because you would see these drip spots. That's fuel because fuel is coming out of these bikes because that's what carburetors do. They drop fuel. They're not as efficient in many ways. So let's talk about our second class of riders. Second class of riders on this are the realists. Okay. And I put myself into this realist category. Let's talk about who the realists are. A realist knows, understands, believes that the future of mainstream two-stroke motors on dirt bikes, if it is allowed to exist, and I use that caveat. If it's allowed to exist, it will have to be as clean as possible on emissions. It's frustrating to me that we can have 75 million lawnmowers 
and no one gives a crap about the emissions that they're putting out. We can have 4 billion weed eaters and no one cares. But if we have like a couple hundred thousand dirt bikes, everyone like loses their mind and think that it's going to like ruin the environment. That is not dirt bikes. Dirt bikes are not the reason why we have global warming. I'm just saying it right now. Okay. There's a lot of factors, but it's not because you and I are riding two strokes. There's a lot of other more low hanging fruit that could be, but for whatever reason, two strokes are a freaking target. I think it's because you get to see the smoke coming out of the exhaust. And, uh, the only way we get two strokes to stay is if they're as clean as possible. And I can tell you right now that these TPI bikes have, they put out less blue smoke. I can still see blue smoke, especially sometimes when they're really cold, but that's why we have TPI. That's why we have fuel injected two strokes right now is because it's a little cleaner. Okay. And so a realist knows that and they're like, Hey, okay, I'm cool with it. I, it, this, this is what it's got to be because we're, we're kind of against the eight ball again, uh, no fault of our own. Uh, a realist also wants to spend less time tuning their bike and more time riding it. A realist just wants it to work. Now, this isn't to say that a, these TPI bikes from KTM Husky gas gas, this is not to say that they require no tuning at all. Some tuning is required, and I should probably do a podcast episode on that alone. In fact, I was almost going to do that. That was kind of the podcast outline that I started with, but then I decided to kind of change it into this because this is how the flow was coming to me with this, you know, first class of riders, second class of riders, third class of riders. But this second class of riders, they just want it to work. They want to spend less time tuning the bike and they want to do more time riding. And that's me. When I get a TPI two stroke, KTM two stroke the last several years, I spend about an hour tuning it. And half hour to an hour tuning it. And then the rest of the time, it's just bliss. And it's just running like crazy, running great. When I get a carburetor bike, I'm tuning it for the first five to seven hours of motor time. So I'm doing far, far, far less tuning on the KTM TPI, Husky TPI. I'm going to get a gas gas here soon. I'm spending far less time tuning those bikes. I just want it to work. The other thing a realist doesn't want is they don't want to have to rejet the bike or retune the bike differently for different locations. They just want it to work. That's the class that I'm in. Now let's talk about the third class of riders. As previously mentioned, the third class of riders, these are the saviors of our sport. So who are the saviors? Well, I would propose to you that the saviors are the people that have yet to buy their first dirt bike. Or at very least, they haven't purchased a bike in 10 or more years. The industry doesn't count on their money. They're, they're hoping to get their money, but they don't know if they ever will. Those are the people who will save this sport. It's the new people. It's the new consumers. It's the new riders. And guess what? These are the people that are reaching out to me all the time. See, I, I, don't, I don't usually have like the seasoned veterans reaching out to me on Dirt Bike Channel, and that's fine. And part of the reason is because a lot of these seasoned veterans, they already know more than I do. I've only been in the sport for a decade, okay? A lot of people, I, I was riding with a, a group, you know, this same group I was talking about. Most of those guys have been riding three or four times as long as me. They're not watching Dirt Bike Channel on YouTube for like super great bike tips. 
If they do see it, it's just because they like motorcycles and they like consuming the content, but they're not learning a ton. These are people who already know more. They've Most of these people have forgotten more about dirt bikes than I've ever known up to this point. You and I, assuming that you and I, uh, you already have a bike, we don't pull as much weight as the people who haven't yet purchased a bike. And these people are reaching out to me all the time. And you know what I hear from those people? They're a little bit anxious about getting a two-stroke because they've heard that it's hard to tune and they don't have special tools and they don't have a lot of time and they just want to get something that works. And this is why so many of those people have bought four-stroke, 450 motocross bikes. They just said, well, if I was going to buy a Corvette, I'd buy one with the biggest motor. And I'd make sure that it was fuel injected. This thing and the same thing with these dirt bikes. I'm going to buy the one that doesn't require tuning. Or they, they're like, hey, look, I found out you can tune this four-stroke from your phone. I'm going to go buy this Yamaha YZ450F. And, and what I can do is, you know, I understand it's probably a lot of power, but I'll just detune it here with my phone. And so they go out there and they buy the flipping four-stroke motorcycle. And it's the wrong one. The four-stroke 450. Because they're like, hey, I just need to push the easy button and I'll just, I'll just like tune it down with my phone. Because guess what? Newsflash, this sa- these saviors of the sport, they don't own a bunch of tools. They don't own a bunch of screwdrivers and T-handles and all this other stuff. You know what they do have? They have a bloody smartphone in their hand. And this EFI bike that they're looking at can be tuned possibly with their smartphone. They're not looking at, the, they're not looking at these TPI two strokes because they you can't tune it with their. Do you see what I'm getting at? These people are the ones that are coming into the sport, and we need to make it easy as possible for them. And KTM TPI bikes have been selling like hot cakes, and the reason why is because now it it's made it easier for anyone coming into the sport to get a bike to get their first two stroke. And so many people, even the people who have had two strokes in the past, they're finding out for the very first time how amazing they can run. Now, they don't all run they don't all run perfect right out of the get-go. I'm not saying that. But they all here's what I am saying. In my experience, every single TPI bike that I have ever started ran better straight out of the gate than any carbureted bike I've ever bought. Part of that is because I live at altitude and so the bikes are never tuned for me if they have a carburetor on them. They always have too much fuel, but the point still applies. I can start a TPI bike without doing anything to it, and the chances of it running 85 to 90% as good as it, po- as it ever will are, from my experience, 100%. In my experience, the chance of my bike, if I buy a carbureted bike, the chance of it running at 85% or better of its potential is zero. It's not going to. I know it's not. I've never had one do it. Let me say that again. I've never had a TPI bike that didn't run on the first, first crank over that didn't run 85 to 90% of its potential. And I've yet to have a single carburetor bike that ran at 85 to 90% of its potential on the first kick, first turnover. Do you see where I'm going with this? If two strokes are going to live on, they have to sell. And if a brand new user has to choose between carburetors or EFI, which do you think they will choose? Be honest. 
I think you know the answer. I've said it in the past and I'll say it again today. Fuel injection on two strokes will save two strokes if that's even possible. I'm not saying that carburetors are bad. I'm not. And carburetors are not bad. I'm just saying that if we continue to insist that our two-stroke dirt bikes have to remain carbureted, we might not have any of them in 10 years from now. Rumor on the street is that KTM, Husqvarna, Gas Gas will be moving the fuel injection system back into the throttle body in a year or so, maybe even 2023 model year. I don't have any official information on that. I'm just reading tea leaves, okay? And honestly, that's that's a good thing because if you move that back to the throttle body, that might also give the option for some riders and some racers to bypass the oil injection system more easily and run pre-mixed gas. I mean, after all, this has been the big kind of like the big sticking point that everyone has kind of like latched onto is just that, hey, you know, we we don't like TPI because, you know, what if your oil pump fails? Well, if your oil pump fails, your entire motor is gone and you're going to be stranded out in the desert and it's going to be hundreds of dollars to refix and all this stuff. And it's going to be this big hassle. I don't personally know a single person personally who's had their oil pump fail. I understand that some of the people maybe listening to this are going to be like, Kyle, it happened to me or Kyle, it happened to my buddy. And okay, I'm not saying it's never happened. Things break, but they don't, it isn't just like, oh, it's a preconceived, it's like a guaranteed thing that your oil pump is going to fail. But, you know, bringing it back around. If you're able to bypass the oil injection system and then just run pre-mixed gas in your fuel tank, that's going to take away the excuse for a lot of people, a lot of the KTM TPI haters. So now will you be a TPD, like throttle body injection? Are they going to call it TPI or TPD? I I don't know. But the point is, KTM is looking for solutions. From my experience, KTM Husqvarna Gas Gas is committed to improving these bikes each year. And I'm thinking that that will also be the case when they move that back, I think it will be an improvement. Honestly, it's a middle ground between what the purists are wanting and, and desiring and demanding and what the saviors uh, or the realists and the saviors of the sport are needing as well. You know, And so I say kudos to that. Kudos for KTM, Husqvarna, Gas Gas for pushing the industry forward. Remember that a high tide raises all ships. And what KTM has done for the entire motorcycle industry on the four-stroke side of things in motocross and on the two-stroke side of things in the enduro world and the off-road world, that has raised the level of the tides for everyone. It has elevated the entire industry. It has. Like, there's no, there's no getting around that. It's raised the industry. And I just want to ask, why are some of you out there still B-I-T-C-H-ing about it. If somebody does something good, if somebody's doing something to promote the sport, to move it forward, just embrace it. You don't have to buy it, but stop, stop, stop running it down. It, it's just, it's just kind of ridiculous at this point. Hey, if you want to support Dirt Bike Channel, one of the best ways you can do it is by using my links to Rocky Mountain ATV. I have those listed over on my website, dirtbikechannel.com. It's up in the upper hand corner usually, or if you're on mobile, you click on the three, you know, the three little lines or whatever, you get the menu. 
it drops down. There's links there. You can buy anything you want. Anything that Rocky Mountain ATV sells, you just go ahead and buy that after you're clicking on my links, and that helps to support me, helps to support the podcast, helps to support the YouTube channel. Also, if you're listening to this in October of 2021, make sure that you get involved in the DBC sweepstakes. It's sweepstakes number 18. We're giving away another bike. In fact, in this this sweepstakes, you go to my website, dirtbikechannel.com. You can get your entries by buying a shirt, hat, hoodie, tie downs, whatever. You can also use my links to Rocky Mountain ATV this month and get entries that way. What will happen is you will then uh, if the the winner the winner gets to pick between three different bikes, I'm giving. I'm just saying, hey, you can choose three different bikes: my 2022 KTM 250 SXF, my 2021 KTM 250 XC, or my 2021 KTM 300 XCW. I'm sorry, they're all orange. That's just how it turned out this time. But you get to pick, and then you're also going to come here to Utah, do a ride day, um, all on Dirt Bike Channel. So it should be super fun. I've got uh, Randall Duke here coming. He was my last winner from August. He's coming later this month. We're going to do a ride day, so it should be pretty fun. Hey, I hope all of you guys are happy and healthy. I hope that I do not have COVID and uh, I hope you leave a single track. Thanks so much, everybody. Talk to you soon.